want you to look to the person next to you and as awkwardly as you can possibly say it, ask, are you ready for God to do something in your life? I want you to make it as cringy as possible. Cringy. Make it awkward. We live in the awkward in Chi Alpha. I don't feel enough cringe. You guys are laughing. Cringy isn't funny. What are you guys doing? What? There's a bunch of cringe over there. There's always cringe over there. Got you. All right. The reason I want to do that, the reason I'm, I'm asking for cringe, the reason I want you to embrace the awkward a little bit is because I want you to be in a good mood because the foundation of what we're going to be talking about is an uplifting thing tonight. Normally, a message like this is going to be a little bit heavy. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard hitting. It's going to be impactful if you allow it to be. But I want you to approach this with joy. Because if you don't approach this sermon tonight with joy, it's going to be heavy and it's going to hurt a little bit more than I want it to. And so keep in mind as we approach this, as we start talking about this, the foundations of Jesus, the, the fruit of the Spirit, joy is listed. And so joy should be accommodating in our foundation with Christ. And so as we get to this, just keep in mind that feeling you got, we're all feeling it. It's awkward. It's fun. It's good. It's an uplifting kind of atmosphere. Stay there, okay? So to build a foundation on the sermon tonight, we're going to begin in Matthew 7, okay? Um, if you have your Bibles, turn to it. If not, it'll be up on the board. Matthew 7, starting in verse 24. Yeah, if you want to turn it, turn it on and then turn it all the way down. <clears throat> I typically read from the NIV, then hold it down, and it'll dim it. Thanks, Jordan. Give it up for Jordan. All right, starting at verse 24, it says, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it has its foundations on the rock. So tonight, in case it isn't clear based off of this scripture, we're building a foundation. We're trying to build the foundation of our faith. Last week, we talked about um, deconstructing our faith and taking a moment and really starting to, to dissect what we believe in Jesus, what we believe about religion, um, what we believe about the Bible, and taking a, a second and reassessing ourselves, reassessing our attitude towards Jesus, reassessing our, our, the way that we worship God. And so this week we're building off of that foundation. We're building, well, we're starting with a foundation, but we're we're kind of continuing in that mindset and that thought process. And so I want you to approach tonight with the openness of allowing yourself to change. Because what is the point if you guys come to a service and you listen to me speak for half an hour, you worship, you do all these things, if you're not willing to grow, you're going to stay exactly where you're at and you're just wasting your time, if that makes sense. And so what I want you to do before, uh, before anything else, when you come into this place, I want you to take a step back and take a split second and allow yourself to grow, allow yourself to change and allow yourself to be changed by scripture, not by me, not by what I'm saying, but allow yourself to be changed by Christ. And so before we start tonight, I want you to take a step back, 
and allow yourself to really hear the words that I'm speaking tonight. In American Christianity, the one thing that bugs me more than anything else about Christianity here in America is that in order to be a Christian, in order to identify as a Christian, typically what it means is that you attend church sometimes, you might pray sometimes, you might read your Bibles sometimes. And the bulk, 90% of American Christians fit into that category of a, I sometimes am religious, I sometimes do these things. And as we talked about last week, attending a church service doesn't make you Christian. Reading your Bible doesn't make you a Christian. It's so much deeper than that. And so, as we build the foundation of our faith tonight, I want you to take a step back again. I know I've repeated this three times. In Scripture, they repeat things three times when it's important. So if I'm repeating it three times, it's important. Take a step back from your predispositions of what faith is, your predispositions of what Jesus is, your predispositions of what a faith in Christ is and what it means to you. So Matthew 7 indicates that a storm will come. So as you read these words, it's pretty clear that the storm is going to come no matter where you have your foundation built, right? It's indicating that storms will come. That's important to keep in mind. Because as an American Christian, I think a lot of American Christianity gets built on this thought process that a relationship in Jesus means hardship won't come. And that's simply not the case. Jesus never promises us that hardship isn't going to come. The importance of what we're going to go into tonight is the foundations because storms will come, because Jesus promises us that storms will come. How many of you guys have ever been in an earthquake? One, two of you guys? All right, so believe it or not, back a few years ago when I was in school at Shadron, there was actually an earthquake here at Shadron State College. And so I was chilling in the dorm room. Courtney was in there with me. Another friend, Eric, was with me. And all of a sudden, it just sounded like a hundred people just went sprinting down the, the hallway. It was just doo-doo-doo-doo-doo. And uh, my mom grew up in Bakersfield, California, and going out and visiting there every single summer. I had been around earthquakes quite a bit. And so the walls start shaking just a little bit, and I was just immediately, I look up, and I was like, that's an earthquake. And Courtney's like, bro, like, we're in Shatter, Nebraska. Eric starts making fun of me. He's like, earthquake, uh. And I was like, no, dude, for real. Like, that's an earthquake. I guarantee it's an earthquake. And they're like, it's people running up and down the hallway. And so I jump up real quick, and I run out to the door, and I open it. There's nobody out there. And so I was like, all right, whatever. Maybe they were upstairs because I didn't want to look like an idiot. I just let it go. And it wasn't maybe a half an hour later. Eric's on, the, on, on Facebook, and an article pops up from Shadrad Communications. And it's talking about an earthquake in Shadron. It reached a whatever level. And it was a pretty low gate rate earthquake that happened like 10 miles northeast of Shadron. And so immediately I hop up and I rubbed it in their faces so hard. Like, so to this day, I like to bring it up at least every other year in a sermon so that I can continue to rub it in my wife's face. But she's fortunately not in the room. So I want you guys to rub it in her face for me because it is the one time in my entire life I've ever been correct. When it comes to my wife, guys, get used to it. Your wives are going to be correct. It's the one time. And so I hold it over her. But 
for real though, like who would think that in Shadron, Nebraska, you might have to build a house that's earthquake proof? Like, what are the odds of that? You shouldn't have to. We're nowhere near supposed fault lines. But yet there was, and there has been earthquakes in Shadron, Nebraska. But that's the thing about earthquakes, is no matter how precise our science and our technology gets, we still can't predict earthquakes. We can't even predict general areas that earthquakes should or shouldn't be in because there's still anomalies that happen. There's still outlier earthquakes. There's no way for our science to pinpoint exactly when and where they will happen. And as the storms in life occur, it's the same way. No matter how much planning we do, no matter how meticulously we plan out our future, we plan out our day, we plan out what's going to happen in our lives, there's going to be storms that come. There's going to be earthquakes that happen. And they're going to be in areas where you don't even imagine. I did not picture that I would lose my mom by the time I was 25. I didn't picture that I would lose my dad by the time I was 35. I didn't see myself being, quote-unquote, an orphan at 35 years old. I thought my parents were going to meet my son. These are the things that you plan out, but those storms come. And I can tell you that the foundation that I built in Christ when my mom passed away was a very different foundation, even though I was a pastor in both storms. The foundation I built when my mom passed away versus the foundation I had built by the time my dad passed away were two totally different foundations. And this, the way that I endured those storms were completely different because of the work I had done on the foundation. Our foundations are important because my mom's passing rocked my world. And my dad's passing rocked my world, but I was able to endure it because my foundation was stronger. And so when we look at the world and we approach this from a worldly standpoint, we, we look at what society tells us of how we should live our lives. Society will tell us over and over again that we need to go and find ourselves. We need to experience life. We need to figure out who we are. We need to figure out where to set our anchor and then begin to build our foundation. To just follow our hearts. But the problem with following our hearts is I don't know about you, but I know about myself that my heart is very deceitful. My heart lies to me all the time. If I gave full power over to my heart, I would probably just end up at Taco Bell every night or go watch a football game because that's what my heart wants to do. Our hearts can be stupid. Like how many of you guys, ladies, have been absolutely sure that Mr. McSteamy or whatever is who God wanted you to be with. Only to find out that uh, that wasn't the case. Guys, you do it too. We just don't talk about it as much as girls do. It's even gotten to the point where they start writing songs about this. The unanswered prayers. Unanswered prayers are literally when we're praying according to our heart. Not a praying towards Christ. Unanswered prayers occur when our will doesn't line up with God's will. 
some of those unanswered prayers are seemingly very positive. I prayed before my mom passed away. I prayed every single day for five years that God would heal her. That's a pretty good prayer, right? But my mom was a Christian, and it wasn't until she had passed away that I realized that her being gone, and it took me a long time to realize this, her being gone was actually better than her being here because she got to be in glory. She got to be at Christ's feet. She doesn't have to endure the pain of this world anymore. And so my prayers for her to be healed were selfish because I wanted her here for my behalf. I wanted her here for my future kids' behalf. I didn't want her here for her behalf. It's easy for our hearts to lead us astray. And so now we're going to turn to Luke 6, starting in verse 46. Again, if you don't have your Bible here, we put it up on screen. Luke 6, 46 says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was built well. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed. Its destruction was complete. And so this is telling us pretty clearly that our foundation should be built on Jesus. So many times we we build our foundation on something of this world, like our career, or our job, or money, or the allure of money, or our spouse, our kids. We can build our foundation on these things and then on that foundation, we'll put, you know, a support beam of Jesus. But this scripture is being very clear that anything else that we put our foundation on, if it doesn't start with Jesus, if it doesn't start with Jesus, it will collapse and the destruction will be complete. And so it's also saying in order to build our foundation on Jesus, we have to put into practice what Jesus is teaching us. So in order to put into practice what Jesus is teaching us, we have to know what Jesus is teaching us. In order to know what Jesus is teaching us, we have to read our Bibles. We have to look it up. We have to actually take that time and dedicate it to Christ in order to learn what He's teaching us in the first place. And so let's go back to that parable. Let's let's go back to this. So we're comparing two people. We've got one person who built his foundation on the rock and another person who didn't, who built his house on the ground without a foundation. I like to think of this as though there's two people because when we look at the first person, we see a man whose viewpoint is very similar to the second person. These are people who built a house. So in building a house, They obviously are looking towards their future, correct? Maybe they're wanting to have a family, start a family. They're wanting to have a career. Maybe they've got a farm outside of the house. They're both intentionally 
building themselves a future. They're wanting to put down roots. They're not wanting to travel around. They're wanting to stay put. These two people are probably just like you and me. Probably identical to us. Because how many of us have those allures? Have those things that we want to do? I was just talking to Porter about, you know, having a son, having kids. It changes your life. And so these people were very similar to you and me because I'm building a life. I have a home. And just like you and me, these people heard the word of Jesus. Both of these guys. It's very clear that both of them heard the word of Jesus. They know his teachings. Because in order for you to hear my words and not put them into practice, you still have to have heard his words. Both men heard the word of Jesus. But as similar as these people are, they're very different. Because obviously where they laid their foundations, one of them is viewed as foolish. One of them is viewed as wise. Just like us, we have the same choices as they do in our life. Now, the world looks a lot different than the world looked back then, but really there's not that much that's changed. We have flashier toys to play with, and we have fancier modes of transportation and a more comfortable house, but really the things that are important back then are the same kind of things that are important today. The foolish man wants to build something The wise man wants to start the right way. And so maybe the second guy, you know, he was thinking, hey, I want to build this house on the beach. It looks comfortable. It looks cozy. The other guy is, you know what, I'm going to start a little bit farther up on the rock. Maybe I might have to work a little bit harder to get down to the beach. Maybe I'll have to work a little bit harder to get to the river, but I'm going to start on the rock. And the second guy maybe cut corners in order to make the rest of his life a little bit easier. Based off the information we're given, neither one of these guys lacked any resources. They didn't lack motivation. And when the sun was shining, both of these guys' worlds probably looked similar. They probably looked identical. When the sun was shining, it all seemed great for the foolish man. And that's the thing. In our lives, when things are going well, and we've built our foundation on our education, we've built our foundation on our spouse, we've built our foundation on maybe our parents' faith. When we've built our foundation on those other things, when the sun is shining, we don't appear any different from the people who built their foundation on Christ. In fact, maybe things look a little bit easier. Maybe they look a little bit more fun. We can't really see those flaws when the sun is shining. It's not until the storms come. When those storms come, that it becomes very apparent who was wise and who was foolish. When I first started following Jesus, 
I really, really thought deep and hard about my relationship with Jesus. And I honestly thought that giving my life to Christ was first and foremost an intellectual decision. And so I knew there was God. And so because I knew there was God, I knew there was Jesus, and I knew that He was my Savior, that I was saved. And I felt like that intellectual knowledge is what saved me. But it wasn't until I started diving deeper into what the word faith means within Scripture. In Hebrews, if you want to go to the next next slide, there we go. In Hebrews, the word for faith is emuna. Emuna's definition is a little bit trickier to define. Emuna is less about knowing and more about doing. It's taking what you know and putting it into action. It's taking what you know and believing it so much that you can't sit still. It's taking what you know and making it part of your identity, part of your soul, literally part of your foundation of who you are. That's what Amuna means. It literally means to take firm action. Its definition is telling us that what we do is more important than what we know. And so my question for you is, what would you need to change today to ensure that your faith was defined by what you did instead of what you know? I kind of picture a faith, a a foundation on Jesus Christ, kind of like a tank. I don't know why my mind goes to a tank because I think of a tank and I think of its foundation. Even though it's a moving foundation, it's a pretty solid foundation. A tank is built pretty sturdily. Even though it moves and some of the newer tanks can move pretty fast, tanks have this foundation that's built to withstand bombs. It's built to withstand bullets. It's built to withstand other tanks. Its foundation is built pretty solid. And so when driving a tank into war, I don't picture a soldier freaking out every time a bomb drops. I kind of picture the soldier as recognizing that he's in a tank and this tank was built to survive those blasts. Now, obviously, the right timed explosion or the right level explosion, it's going to do some damage, but I just kind of picture it that way. I don't picture a tank riding into war and the driver flipping out. And the reason being is because a tank was built with war in mind. They didn't just go out on the farm and grab a tractor and then drive it into combat, and the combat and the tractor was built to blow things up and to withstand bombs. They built tanks with war in mind. Our foundation has to be built with war in mind. Our foundations in Christ have to be built with storms in mind. Because if we don't have them built with storms in mind, the first time we face a storm, it's going to absolutely wreck your foundation in Christ. Because according to the Scripture, 
Jesus makes it pretty clear that storms are going to come. So what does it look like to build your foundation on Jesus? That's the, the question we've got to ask ourselves, right? I wish I could just give you a 10-step plan. Step one, do this. Step two, do this. But it's a lot more complicated than that. But I can tell you that in order to build our faith in Jesus, to build our foundation in Christ, it has to become more important than the other things in our world. Jesus has to be more important than school. Jesus has to be more important than your job. Jesus has to be more important than your mom and dad. Jesus has to be more important than my wife. Jesus, as young and innocent as my son is, Jesus has to be more important to me than him. Because if Jesus isn't more important to me than my son, I'm not going to be able to raise my son right. If Jesus isn't more important to me than my wife, I'm not even going to know how to love her. Because Jesus defined love for us. Jesus teaches us how to love our spouses. And so if I don't put him first, I can't love her the right way. If I don't love Jesus before my career, I can't be a pastor in an effective way. If I don't love Jesus more than my education, if I don't love Jesus more than my neighbor, if I don't love Jesus more than the rest of you guys, I can't pastor you correctly if I don't love Jesus more than you. And so what does it take? How do we love Jesus more than things around us? Again, I go back to loving Jesus isn't showing up to, to Chi Alpha every week. Loving Jesus isn't going to church every week. It's more than that. Yes, coming to service is a part of that picture. It helps us in our walk to love Jesus more. But it's bigger than that. Now, Romans teaches us that we are justified by our faith. James then tells us that our faith should drive us to works. And it is because of my love for Jesus that I stand before you and I share about Him. Yes, this is my job. I, I get paid to do this. But I don't get paid a whole lot. And the heartaches and the hardships that go with a job like this, nobody in their right sane mind would be a missionary if it wasn't for a foundation of Jesus. And again, none of this means that there's not going to be hardships. The point of this sermon is to, to promise you, to show you there are going to be hardships. Hardships are going to come. Either you're coming out of one. I don't know what you've been through to get here. I don't know what you just got through. I don't know what you're going through right now. And I don't know what you're going to go through. I have no clue. But I can tell you that when Jesus created you, He knitted you in the womb. When God created you, He created you with these storms in mind. He created you knowing what you're going to go through. He knew I was going to lose my mom at 25. He knew I was going to lose my dad at 34. 
He knew my wife was going to battle with Crohn's and almost die multiple times. He knew those storms were coming and he knitted me accordingly. And so how can I endure those storms if I haven't built my foundation on him? So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for this opportunity. And as hard-hitting as this sermon is, I pray that we can go back to where we started and to remember that a fruit of the Spirit is joy. That as convicting as this word has been, because really, none of us, none of us, have perfectly built our foundation on Christ. All of us have room to grow. And so, Lord, I know that this message can be so convicting. It can be hard, and it can be rejected so easily as well. Lord, I pray that these students and that we all could receive this word, keeping in mind, fruit of the Spirit is joy. Because when it comes down to it, God, This is the most amazing information we can get because what you're telling us through this word, through your word, through through your scripture on foundations is that you got this. That no matter how hard the, the storm is, no matter how big the hardship is, that you still got this, that you can endure, that you can help us get through this. That having a foundation on you is how we endure this life, is how we build on this life, is how we get through this life. And so Lord, I pray that each and every one of us could remember that this week. That we would take our relationship with you seriously. That we would do what we can do to build on that faith that we already have. And Lord, I pray that you would show these guys your power, that you would show these guys your presence and that you would make your presence known to him, them throughout this week. Everywhere they turn, that they would be reminded of you. Every conversation they have, that their brain would turn towards you. And that they would firmly begin to build their foundation better today than it was yesterday on you. Lord, we love you and we praise you, and it is in your name we pray. Amen. And so before we go tonight, I just want to just stress that as big of a burden as this is, and I know that I, I preach loud and I preach aggressive, but this really is an awesome thing. This really is an encouraging thing. That we can take the conviction, we can take the things that we need to grow in and and the ways in which we need to change and we can deconstruct our faith a little bit and build it up better tomorrow than it was today. But we can remember that Jesus has got this. Jesus is in control. Jesus is awesome. And Jesus loves us more than anything else in the world. He loves us more than we can even fathom the word love. Jesus loves you more than your parents love you. And that's the cool thing is I talk about how I love Jesus more than my son. And I just think about how much I love my son and how much I love my wife. And I can tell you that God loves them more than I do. 
And that's hard to fathom. God loves your parents more than you do. God loves the person next to you that you looked at really awkwardly to start this sermon out. Loves them more than you do. There's nothing you can do to outrun or to run away from the love of God. What we're talking about is turning around and trying to have the same or trying to, to love God in even the same proportionately, like just trying to love God as much as He loves us. And putting Him first in our lives. And so I hope that that's encouraging to you guys and I hope you guys leave here better than you were yesterday. <laughs>